Whether you're the parent of a young musician or a teacher, today I would like to dispel a myth, and that is the myth of the self-starter. In just a moment. Hello and welcome to the Musician Toolkit, episode number 45. My name is David Lane, and it is great to be with you once again. This will definitely be another short episode today for two reasons. One, uh, the topic is not super involved and it will not take me long to talk about. And second, just full disclosure, I've been under the weather lately and my voice is at best 50% today. So hopefully this is this doesn't sound as bad to you as it does to me, but because of that I will not be spending a lot of time on this topic today. So this episode might not be for all of my listeners. It might only be for a few of you. It is certainly for those who are parents of musicians. Perhaps you have a child who's just getting into music and uh, you have high hopes for them. You may or may not think that they have uh, a natural talent for it, but you certainly want them to do well. And this might also be for teachers, especially uh, for those with uh, younger students. There's a myth that I want to talk about today, and it's called the myth of self-starting. And I'm going to elaborate on that, but first I want to tell you about a clause that I've had in my policy for students. This is something I'm actually in the midst of revising my policy for 2024, but since 2014 at least, all the versions of my studio policy have had some variation of of this following clause. And that clause says, if your child is under the age of 10, they can really use your active involvement. I encourage an adult to sit in on the lessons and then be willing to coach your child at home. I have found that students stick with lessons longer when a guardian is actively helping them. Please also understand that it is not normal for a child to practice regularly without prompting. Practice is work. Even if they really want to learn piano, or for your case, insert other instrument or voice. And it is highly unusual for a child under 12 to be self-responsible in this area. So I mentioned two ages in there. I said under 10 and under 12. So it's a little bit confusing, a a little bit uh, inconsistent on my part, I realize. Um, I don't know what the magic age is. This is entirely anecdotal. But it's uh, anecdotal based on over 23, coming up on 24 continuous years of teaching piano, composition, and theory. So I have a lot of students' data as data points. But I want to highlight, you know, just a few things about that clause. One, I do think that younger children do better when there's an adult in the lesson paying attention to what's going on. But I don't think that's enough. I think the parent, at least one parent, has to be the coach during practice. It can't just be tell your child to practice and you're trusting them to remember everything that was taught in the lesson and to process it and to apply it. And also to be motivated to do that by themselves. If the child really likes music and really wants to take to it, they will do this on their own. That is the myth. Let's break that myth. 
So one of the things that scientists have learned in recent decades is that your memory is largely fiction. It's not a tape recorder, but it's more of a movie that idealizes your past. It also gets blurred with how you felt at the time compared to how your experiences have changed you since then. I know from Facebook posts in the memory section that, that 2013 was a tough year from start to finish. How, however, I, I don't feel that way anymore because one of the good things that happened from that year and what seemed mostly like stress at the time until near the end of that process has had a huge positive impact on my work since then. I actually talked about this in the opportunity chain. My current reality has rewritten my impression of the past. A lot of parents get upset that their child isn't practicing on their own because they expect them to be self-starting. Nothing has ever saddened me more as a teacher than when a parent withdraws their child from lessons because, quote-unquote, they're having to be told to practice. If they're in middle school or beyond, okay, I see your point. But if they're still in their first decade of life, I don't think you have realistic expectations. Part of the justification that you might feel is that you maybe probably feel like you were a self-starter when you were that age. So I have three possible statements that I could say about your life, no matter what your age is. And I'm willing to bet that at least one of them is true. So think about these three things and see which might be the most accurate description of your life. And you may, you may be challenged. You may need to actually think on these. So the first thing is that you actually were not a self-starter. Your parents or guardians probably drove you to do anything that felt like work. If you don't remember this, it's because, of, once again, our memory's tendency to idealize the past and to give ourselves more credit than we actually deserve. The second thing that might be going on is that you never always feel like doing the things that require effort now. But as adults, you learn to weigh the consequences or trade-offs of letting it go versus doing it anyway. This is part of what becoming an adult is. But this is a trait that has to be learned and not at the young age you might hope as parents. And let's face it, quite a few adults actually don't do anything optional that feels like work, but that's another topic. And then the third possible statement that might apply to you is that you might have actually been a self-starter but your parents somehow came up with the right motivation for you to do that. Maybe it was some sort of incentive or reward. Maybe it was nothing conscious on their part, but you noticed that they treated you in a more positive way when you were working hard toward a specific goal compared to when you were just taking it easy. So yes, you were a self-starter, but it wasn't entirely self-motivated. Now here's the truth. Until you accept that something that feels like work is going to be a challenge, you cannot move on and actually become a self-starter. And by the way, if this at all sounds personal to me, it's because I was not a self-starter. I'm not even going to pretend I was. I would not have practiced at all if my mom hadn't made me go practice. And the fact that she had to keep making me go practice until I was probably way older, older than I should have been, is what allowed me to stick with music long enough to kind of learn 
to understand how important practice was and do it on my own. And it was after I became the legal age of an adult and got to college before I started learning things that make practice more effective and things that make practice fun. But I was not a self-starter. So my mom has been gone for eight years, but I thank her every day that she pushed me and she did not withdraw me from lessons because I was apparently not interested to take the time to do things on my own. So as I said, once again, until you accept that something that feels like work is going to be a challenge, you cannot move on and actually become a self-starter. And you might be getting into your adult years and you feel like, well, I'm still not a self-starter. So here are some ways to do that, no matter what your age is. The first thing is to do is to schedule your time either on paper or in an app. Block out your fixed activities, such as work, school, appointments, homework, your private lesson, and anything else. And look at what time is left. And you want to plan your practice time and officially schedule it as an event or an activity that you agree to do. If you have a calendar app, put it on your calendar as a repeating event and uh, make sure that you're getting notifications. Make sure you have an alarm that tells you it's time to do it now. The next thing is to log your practice time. So if scheduling is the before, logging is the after. How did you do? Write down the day, how much you practiced, what you practiced, what was easy, what was difficult, and also go ahead and plan what is the next day's priority. When possible, always schedule practice before something leisurely rather than after. You could take that two different ways. It could be there's a there's a show on Netflix you really want to check out. Do your practice before you do that. But it could also be you just want to play around with, you know, some of your favorite music, some of your favorite repertoire that you love playing that's not, it's been a long time since it was hard. Okay, but do your practice, do the work first. The next suggestion is to give yourself a reward that is contingent on reaching a level of success with your work. For example, every 10 hours of good practice that you've logged, give yourself a reward, a new pair of shoes, a nice dinner, a road trip, a movie, something smaller, something bigger. Now for the incentive to work, it has to be something that you do only when you succeed at your goals. If you do it regardless, it is no longer an incentive. So you need to find a reward that you only ever give yourself after you have achieved a certain standard of practice that you log. The last suggestion is you might be more motivated by negative goals. So give yourself a consequence as a goal of not achieving something. For example, if you like dessert, you don't eat anything sweet on days you fail to practice 30 minutes or whatever you had scheduled. Or Maybe you don't watch television or read your latest book or play a video game. So yes, it is possible to become a self-starter, but this is a learned skill. And parents, please don't expect your child to magically inherit this trait. It takes time and a lot of effort on your part as well as theirs. In my mind, the biggest success that I can give my students is to have the ability to someday learn a piece on their own. But I have to teach them the right way for them to do that and not solely depend on me. Your goal as parents of musicians 
should be to train them how to respect the time and the effort that it takes to practice, and to how to cope with getting it done even when they don't feel like it. Until they get to that point, keep reminding your children to practice each day. As I said before, there's a 0% chance I would even be here with this podcast encouraging other musicians if my mom had not told me to just keep practicing. So what are your thoughts on this, on this or any other topic that I've mentioned on this podcast? You can tell me with your voice at speakpipe.com, that is S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com slash musician toolkit. You can also leave me a message on any of the social media where I am, as well as the podcast on Instagram at David Lane Music or Facebook at David M. Lane Music. And I'm also on TikTok at David Lane Music. You can find this podcast and other videos at YouTube at David Lane Music One. But feel free to reach out with any thoughts that you had on this topic. Once again, for teachers, if you have a studio and if you are chasing payments or having trouble with just like scheduling, or let me just say, if you're still manually scheduling students, it's time to enter the 2020s. Fonz is an app that can help you do all that, give you more free time. You can get a free trial by using the link in my show notes. All right, that wraps it up for episode 45. I will be back with you again next week. Until then, thank you so much for listening.